We are hoping to put up some talks on the book of Malachi. Unfortunately, the sound on some of these is poor. Uh, this first one, the first five minutes seem to be a little bit dodgy, but hopefully after that it writes itself. Sorry for this. And so here is the first of these talks. Wherein hast thou loved us? Wherein hast thou loved us? I thought we'd maybe just have a look for a few weeks at the book of Malachi. Just briefly go through the book of Malachi. This is the last book in the Old Testament, so it shouldn't be difficult to find. Before Matthew, you find Matthew in the New Testament, Malachi is just before it. I want to read chapter 1, at least. Malachi chapter 1, verse 1. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, saith the Lord. Yet ye say, Wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I loved Jacob. And I hated Esau, and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Whereas Edom saith, that will be Esau's country, we are impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus said the Lord of hosts, they shall build, but I will throw down, and they shall call them the border of wickedness, and the people against whom the Lord had indignation forever. And your eyes shall see, and ye shall say, the Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. A son honoureth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honour? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Said the Lord of hosts unto you. Despise my name. And ye say, Wherein have we despised thy name? Ye polluted bread upon mine altar, and ye say, Wherein have we polluted thee? In that ye say, The table of the Lord is contemptible. And if ye offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if ye offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee? Or accept thy person? saith the Lord of hosts. And now, I pray you, beseech God that he will be gracious unto you, uh, unto us. This hath been by your means. Will he regard your persons, saith the Lord of hosts. Who is there even among you that would shut the doors for naught? Neither do ye kindle fire on mine altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts, neither will I accept an offering at your hand. 
For from the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. And in every place incense shall be offered unto my name, and a pure offering for my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye have profaned it, in that ye say, The table of the Lord is polluted, and the fruit thereof, even his meat, is contemptible. Ye said also, Behold, what a weariness it is, and ye have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts. And ye brought that which was torn, and the lame, and the sick, this she brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand, saith the Lord? But cursed be the deceiver which hath in his flock a male, and voweth and sacrificeth unto the Lord a corrupt thing. For I am a great king, saith the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. And we read on, actually, into chapter 2. And now, O ye priests, this commandment is for you. If ye will not hear, and if ye will not lay it to heart, to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yea, I have cursed them already, because ye do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will corrupt your seed, and spread dung upon your faces, even the dung of your solemn feasts, and one shall take you away with it. And ye shall know that I have sent this commandment unto you, that my covenant might be with Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. My covenant with him was with him of life and peace. And I gave them to him for the fear wherewith he feared me, and was afraid before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity, and did turn many away from iniquity. For the priests should keep knowledge, and they should seek the law at his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts, but ye are departed out of the way. Ye have caused many to stumble at the law. Ye have corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore have I also made you contemptible and base before all the people, according as ye have not kept my ways, but have been partial in the law. And God will bless that reading. It's quite a, a couple of, a chapter and a half there, it's really quite uh, solemn, isn't it? The book of Malachi. And we have the, the, the background, we just as far as that. We have the, the background of the book of Malachi. Some people used to think it was written by Ezra. And others uh, even thought that Mordecai had written it for some reason. But there's no mention of, of Malachi and Ezra or Nehemiah and Haggai. Uh, he obviously came after them. It seems to have been written around about 
430, 400 to, 430 to 400 BC, sometime around that, after, after the return of the captivity from Babylon. It contains a, the burden of the prophecy, the burden, the word of God is, is the, the central message and the personality of, of Malachi doesn't come out in it really. The central theme is what God says and what God wants us to hear. It's like everything else, you know, when we, when we stand up and speak, what we say really should be what God wants us to say. And our personality shouldn't take over in any way. It's what we should hear what God is trying to say to us through his word. There's a terrific personality cult these days throughout the world in, in politics, and it has drifted in, obviously, to the church. And personality shouldn't come into it. What, it's what the word of God is telling us. It's what, that's what we should be listening to, not, not, our person, not the personality of the person saying it. And it's interesting, you know, that the, the same sins and the same problems and the same difficulties that Ezra and Nehemiah spoke out against are still going on here in Malachi. And the interesting thing, of course, is that they're still going on today. Things haven't changed. People don't change, unfortunately. You think after so many years, they were back maybe a hundred years from from. The captivity, you think, oh, well, maybe they've got things sorted out by now. You had Nehemiah was pulling their beards and, and slapping them around, and Ezra was doing the same. They were really treating them very roughly. They made all the, the wives that had been married to the, the Israelites with the children to go away, and things like that. Very strict. But yet the problems that he was talking about in, in the Old Testament are still rife here on this, in this book of Malachi. Sadly, the message had to be repeated again, again, again. Somebody said, remember, history repeats itself. And somebody said, it has to. Nobody listens. And so it's, it's very true. You know, and this is what happened. The message here is the same, really, basically, as Ezra and Nehemiah and Haggai and others. So that was just the background to the book of Malachi. And in verse 1 we have this expression, the burden of the word of the Lord. The burden of the word of the Lord. Uh, the oracle that was preached by the, by the prophet. Malachi's name means a messenger. And that's what, we're, that's what we're all meant to be, messengers. If you send somebody with a message, it comes with what the person has told him to say. He doesn't come with what he has made up. In his own mind, he comes to say what the person who gave him the message told him to say. Jesus said, you shall be witnesses of me. That's what he said to the disciples. He said, you've seen what has happened. Go and tell the people what you've seen. Don't make it up. You shall be witnesses of me. Not witnesses to themselves. And this is what Haggai, this is what Malachi meant. It means... The messenger, or the messenger from God. And here, here he comes, and it says the burden. That it was called a burden not because it was a heavy thing, because sometimes we read that the, 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 the burden of the Lord, the message of the Lord, the burden of the Lord which came to so and so, it was a message which was good, joyful. But perhaps 
uh, I say that perhaps it was heavy because it weighed heavily on the person who was to say it. And that's probably the way we should. Have we got a burden? Have we got something on our hearts that God has told us to say and to preach and to teach? Have we got that burden that the prophets had? Because nothing stopped them. You read Jeremiah. They tried to stop Jeremiah. And they did terrible things to put him down into a, a pit. And he was sinking in the old pit and things. And they had to put him up with clothes under his elbows and things. Uh, they did terrible things to them. And if you read the Fox's Book of Martyrs, you'll see what they did to some of the people some in, 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 in the 1600s. Burned them at the stake. Because those people had a burden for the message, a burden for the truth. They weren't prepared to compromise. And we read that this, that Malachi, it was the burden of the word of the Lord. There's no point in us having a burden about what we want to say. The only burden, the only heaviness that we should have on our hearts is to say what God wants us to say, not what we want to say. And that's what, that's what this whole thing was. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by the hand of Malachi. And it, it says, I have written by Malachi, but the hand of Malachi, he was the instrument of the Lord. And the Lord was going to use him. The person whom he sent and by whom he delivered the following prophecy. He was an instrument. You know, we, we sing that chorus crying, oh, Lord, make me an instrument. An instrument of worship. I lift up my hands to your name. Make me an instrument. But an instrument has to be played, doesn't it? And we want that instrument, the, the, the music that comes from us, or the message that comes from us, we want it to be played by, by God through us. An instrument isn't any good on its own. It has to have somebody to play it. And we want God to use us as an instrument, as a messenger. And that's what Malachi was true to in this passage here. He was an instrument. He was The message was through the hand of Malachi. And then we, we, we come to the, the first half of the second verse. And it says here, I have loved you. And this is God's loving message to Israel. God's message of uh, showing how much he loved Israel. He said, I have loved you, saith the Lord. I have loved you, saith the Lord. How privileged they had been. They, they had favours and blessings. They had spiritual and temporal blessings. Bringing them out of Babylon. They had come out of this captivity. They had been taken away captivity to Babylon. And they had been there for 70 odd years. And yet God had brought them back. They had been favoured so much. They had all the prophets. They had been uh, chosen as God's chosen people. Why did God choose them? Because God is sovereign. And he had restored the land to them. And they had restored the worship, the true worship of God. And he says, I have loved you. I have loved you. And you know, God says that to you and to me. He says that, you know, in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God has loved us. 
We are privileged. We, are, we have been told the gospel message again and again and again. We live in a country still where Christian principles apply. We have been blessed. We're, 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 like, we're like those Israelites there. God says to us, I have loved you. But you know, they, their answer, their answer was, was amazing. In the middle of all this, their answer was something amazing. They say, it says, yet you say, wherein hast thou loved us? But you say, in what way have you loved us? How could they, how could they say that? How could they possibly say that? You know, seven times in this book we have that word, wherein, in what way, in what way. They keep coming back to God when God says, I've loved you. And they say, but how have you loved us? If you look back on all the things that God had done for the, this, the, the children of Israel, the people, the nation. And yet they say, in what way have you loved us? How quickly they had forgotten. How quickly they'd forgotten all the good things that God had done for them. You know, they, they, it says, The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Let's look at Psalm 137, verse 4. We, we needn't look at that one. I have it written up there for you. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? How shall we sing the Lord's song? You know, when they were in Babylon, oh yes, they were miserable. They were constantly, they, they couldn't even sing about the songs of home. The, the Babylonians said, come on, sing us a song of Israel. Sing us some of your, your, your songs, your psalms, your beautiful songs. And they said, how can we do that? How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? But here they were back. And they were only back a, short, a comparatively short time. And God says, I've loved you. And they say, how, how have you loved us? In what way have you loved us? And look at that verse in John 1. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the means of appeasing for our sins. Each one who, who is not within the Christian family, who has not come in repentance and faith to God, we are under God's condemnation. We are under, we are under judgment. He that believeth not, the Bible says, is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the only begotten Son of God. And we say sometimes, what well, you know, God has God has dealt badly with us. You know, how how in what way do you love us, God? The supreme example is that God here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent the Lord Jesus Christ to die for you and for me. That's the only way. God could be appeased. That's the only way sin could be cleared from our lives. By the Lord Jesus Christ coming and becoming sin for each one of us. For you. For me, Lord Jesus, thou hast died and I have died in thee. Thou art risen. My bands are all untied and now thou livest in me. The Father's face of radiant grace shines now in light on me. That's that's what it's all about. That's how God loves us. And then we go on uh, to to look at this this strange little interlude here that God brings in. Jacob and Esau. 
He says, I've loved you. I've loved you so much. And then he says, was not Esau Jacob's brother, said the Lord. And he says, here were two brothers. Two brothers who were, they were twins. And the elder uh, was Esau. And the younger one was Jacob. I'm not going to go into this in, in great detail here. If you want to go into this in more detail, come to our Thursday night. Because uh, we'll get around to that kind of thing eventually later on in Romans. But just, just briefly here. We have these two brothers. And why? Let's look at those verses. Genesis 25, 23. The story of these twin boys. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebecca to be his wife. And eventually she was expecting twins. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb. And two manners of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the, the one people shall be stronger than the other. And the younger shall serve the younger. And Esau came out and he was all hairy and red. And then we have the story later on that he went out to, he was a hunter. He, he, I always liked him. You know, he was the kind of fellow I, I, I could have been friendly with I'm sure he, he seemed to be the right sort of fellow but in any case he went out into the fields and he came in and he was famished and he was faint and his brother was making some lovely pottage some lovely stew stuff and you know, he said to his brother give me some of the stew and Jacob said sell me your birthright very cunning really got him at a, at a weak moment and, and he, he, his birthright was a very important thing in those days. A birthright. It was, he was the eldest in the family. He had, he had a lot of responsibilities. But he didn't, he didn't worry about it. He said, I'll sell you a birthright for a bowl of that stuff. And that was a big mistake. That was held against him by God for the rest of his life. And that's what, that's what this, this is referring to here. It says, Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated. What God did, he had taken away from, from Esau that protection which had surrounded him. And we have in Romans, if you look at Romans chapter 9, that's why I say when we get eventually up to Romans chapter 9, we'll, we'll be discussing that a bit more fully. Romans chapter 9, 11 to 13. For the children not yet being born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. And it was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger. And from that time on, the elder served the younger, and still true today. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Why? We, we would look at, at this from a human point of view. And we'd say, that it's not fair. It doesn't seem fair, that. But you know, when we're dealing with God, we have to remember that we are dealing with a sovereign God. The love of God to his people is free, sovereign, and it's distinguishing. You may not understand it, but that's the way it is. God is sovereign. We cannot dictate to God whom he should love and whom he shouldn't. 
The love of God to his people is free, sovereign, and distinguishing. Remember, and the important thing is, you have been privileged. We have been privileged to hear the gospel. We have been privileged so much, like the Israelites. But you know, there's a verse, that, uh, I think it's the Living Bible gives that uh, translation. To whom much is given, much shall be expected. It's an awesome responsibility that you and I have been given. That we have been told the gospel message. If you haven't accepted Christ as your saviour. And you've heard the gospel message again and again and again. You are very privileged. To whom much is given. Much shall be expected. It is also true of us who are Christians. To whom much is given. We have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to go. We, we are singing that. There's a task unfinished. That should drive us to our knees to go out and tell the people the message of the gospel. And, you know, the, the Edomites, they thought that they could run their own lives. They thought they could organize things themselves. Edomites and their the fruitless attempts to rebuild the desolate places. And the differences between them and the Israelites who were returned to their own land. The, the Edomites, they thought that they could build their own lives up, that they could do things on their own. And you, and, and I'm sure I quite often think I can go ahead, I can forget about praying about something, I can forget about going to God for that, I can do that on my own. But God said these, these Edomites, they were doing the same thing. But their, their land was desolate. And your eyes shall see, said the Lord, that the Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. And yet these people, after all this, were saying to God, Wherein hast thou loved us? Wherein hast thou loved us? You know, we would say it's a terrible nerve. I'm probably right to, to say something like that. Now let's look at from chapter 1 verse 6 right through now to, to way back to uh, chapter 2 to the end of practically the end of chapter 2 the Lord then accuses Israel for the various things in wherein they have failed him you know they have said wherein hast thou loved us wherein have we done this and then God sets out a list of things in the next chapter and a half the next two chapters, stating where they have gone wrong. And from chapter 1, verse 6 to 2, 9, which we read, we have the accusation against the priests. The priests who were supposed to be leading the, the children of Israel into the true and pure worship which had been reinstated during Nehemiah's time and, ne and in Ezra's time and the whole of the temple had been rebuilt and the worship had been started and it had taken a lot of work to get that far we looked at Nehemiah and Ezra a few months ago and now these priests were just going back to the way things were before the Babylonian captivity and God comes and, and he says in, in verse 6, A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Said the Lord of hosts, 
unto you, O priests, that despise my name, and ye say, Wherein have we despised? Here they are again. Wherein? In what way? In what way have we despised thy name? Wherein have we despised thy name? And further on they say, Wherein have we polluted? Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar, and ye say, Wherein have we polluted thee? And, you know, they, they weren't going to learn these people. They weren't going to be taught. They were prepared to argue the bit out with God. Sometimes when God lays on our heart something that we have done or some, some evil that we have committed in our lives, we're not prepared. We try and make excuses. We try and come up with something to, to put our ideas forward. We have to go by what God says in his word. Wherein? Wherein? And he says here, A son honoureth his father, and a servant his master. If I then be a father, where is mine honour? And if I be a master, where is my fear? You know, the, the, the Old Testament were constantly saying that children should honour their fathers. Treat them with respect. Give unto the Lord, in First Chronicles it says, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. The honour that is due to his name. He is the God, uh, the God in heaven, holy, who cannot look upon sin. He deserves our honour. He deserves any glory that we can give him. Respect. John 13, verse 13. He says, Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say well, for so I am. Do we call God our Master? Do we call, do we say that we are servants of the Lord Jesus Christ? And yet not follow him, yet not like these people here, yet not do, yet not do what, what he what he asks us to do. Going back to uh, eleven and verse twenty-eight, John eleven twenty-eight, and when she had said so said, she went away and called Mary her sister, saying, "The Master, the Master is come, and calleth for thee." We used to sing that song in camp. The Master has come. And he calls us to follow. The master. Is he your Lord and master? Or just is he in word only? Or are we proclaiming him by the way we act? And I speak to myself here. Am I proclaim, proclaiming him as my Lord and master? Just only in word. Or else in word and deed. And he says. Or if I am uh, if I'm your father. And sir, are you my, my servant? And if I am your father, where is mine honor? If I am a master, where is my fear? Reverence. Where is the reverence that we should have for God? We've spoken about this frequently recently. The lack of reverence which people have for a holy, holy God. When he says that, they say, Wherein have we despised thy name? Wherein have we polluted thee? In what way? Oh, they must have known. They must have known. And then, in verses 7 to 10, 
there's a, there's a lot of things just set out. We won't go into them all in detail. But there was insincere worship of God. They had decided to worship God their own way. And let's look at Leviticus chapter 22. Verse 21. And whoever offereth a sacrifice of peace offerings unto the Lord to accomplish his vow, or a free will offering in beefs or sheep, and it shall be perfect to be accepted, there shall be no blemish therein, blind or broken or maimed, or having a wen or scurvy or scabbed. Ye shall not offer these unto the Lord, nor make an offering by fire of them upon the altar of the Lord. And that, that's what was happening. Here they were bringing, and here's what he said, Ye offered the blind for sacrifice, the lame and the sick. Well, that wasn't a sacrifice, because they were going to have to kill those things off in any case. They were bringing the animals to, to the temple for sacrifice, and they were the, 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 the runs of the, of the flock. They were giving God just whatever they, that was left over. They weren't offering the, the, the sacrifices which were in accordance with the law of God. And, the, you know, there's a, there's a message there for each one of us, isn't it? What have we... Do we only give God the time that we have which is left over after we've sorted everything else out? Or are we giving him first place in all our lives? You know, take my life, we sing that, so well, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my, myself, O oh Lord, I pour at my feet, at thy feet its treasure store. All that. Uh, you know, take my silver and my gold, not a mite with I was. Well, I didn't sing that for years. I used to. I used to. It used to get at me when I came to that verse. But you know, we need to be able to sing all that hymn, the whole of it, and mean it. Or are we offering God as these priests were doing? They were offering Him just the, the runts. They were animals that they probably wouldn't eat in any case. The blind ones and the lame ones, the ones with scurvy and scabs and things. Or BSE probably. And God was not pleased with them. And yet they were able, they were trying to argue that they're still. And what does God say? And then, you know, further on it says, they, they were doing things, uh, they, they wouldn't even open the door for people. Except they were paid for it. You know, who is there among you that would shut the doors for naught? Or kindle a fire on my altar for naught. They, they wanted to be paid for everything. You know, they, they wouldn't even go and close the doors of the temple in the evening. Unless somebody could see them right with it. And that's, that's the, you know, they were doing things for their own pleasure and not for the pleasure of God. Here is God's verdict. God's verdict in verse 10. I have no pleasure in you saith the Lord of hosts. Ah, oh, that, that's terrible. That was a terrible thing to hear. I have no pleasure in you. Wouldn't it be terrible if God could say that about you and me this morning? I have no pleasure in you. 
have no pleasure in you. You know, when 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 the the parable of the talents. Do you remember those who 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 used what God had given them for his glory. And the master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. That's what we want to hear. When we, when we, Paul was able to say, I have run the race. I finished the course. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown which the righteous judge will give. He knew that he had fought the fight, I fought the good fight of faith. And he, he was looking forward to meeting his Savior because he knew that he had, he'd, he'd run his hardest, he'd fought his hardest, he'd, he'd done his best for God. And he was not worried about meeting his Savior. He was looking forward to it. He said, with Christ, which is far better, that's what I want. But these people, God said, I have no pleasure in you. Oh, we, we'll finish this the next week or so, but let's pray that God will see pleasure in us, that he may smile upon us day by day. Oh God, our gracious Father, we thank you for these messages from your word and we pray that we may live our lives constantly pleasing to you. That you will have pleasure when you see oh, what we do. That someday we may look forward to hearing you say, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful. That's all we want, O oh God, that we may be faithful in everything we seek to do for you. So that your word may be made known. So that your name and the name of your Son, our Savior, may be glorified. May our Holy Spirit just lead us day by day to love, honor, and obey you in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.